Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Monday, December 4th. It is six minutes after nine with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. A question to start the show today. I don't mean to derail this fabulous, likely award-winning segment. By the way, did you see the ratings came out? Phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, nobody's listening, but the scientific ratings say we're doing very well. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know who to believe anymore. Those morons at the State House or the scientific ratings. Anyway, Tony Katz doesn't come to work, so I couldn't ask him. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it just me, or is it really cold in here again? Oh, I thought it was warm. Maybe, really? Maybe I was just having a hot flash. Well, Kurt Darling, <laughs> I asked Kurt Darling, I have my jacket on. You can see this on the YouTube chat. Mm-hmm. I haven't felt this way in a long time. And I said, is it just me, or is it really cold in here? And he goes, he just deadpans and goes, no, I'm fine. Maybe you're having a stroke. <laughs> Wow. Hello, Kurt. (laughs) Can you feel the love? (laughs) Well, please don't do that. And especially don't do that while we're on the air. Uh, So it is not. It is just me. It is not actually cold. I think it's just you. I hope you're not getting sick. Are you coming down with something? I don't think so. I feel fine. I just feel cold. Okay. We'll get the Lysol handy. Wash your hands, too. You know, we used to have a huge issue with this studio where it would go from minus 32 to 933 degrees and there was no middle ground. Mm -hmm. And I hope we're not returning to that because those were the dark days of radio. I'm feeling the 933 degrees myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what your problem is. Uh, but let's get to Ron DeSantis, shall we? He finished the full Grassley. Is that like the full Monty? He finished the what? The full Grassley. Oh, how is exciting. Is what they're calling it. He completed visiting all 99 counties in Iowa. Ah. He spent nearly half of his total $46 million on television, digital, and radio ads. All of this to persuade Republicans and Iowa to caucus for him. Look, it's the strategy he has to run. It's the strategy that he, the, for the remainder of this race, he will have to employ. It is a one-state campaign for him. It is. Uh, I mean, clearly, nationally, he has not caught on, and I'm not sure it's so much he hasn't caught on as Trump has just continued dominated. to yeah, dominated, continued yeah. to elevate, and so his only real remaining path to a viable primary campaign. And let's face it, he's probably the only one that can do it. I know the Nikki Haley stuff, but it, it, she, no, it's not. It's just not. <laughs> it's not going to work. I mean, it is DeSantis or, or no one. And it's like probably likely no one. But it's it's Iowa. He's got to do. He's got to not only do well. And he's got to win Iowa. And if there were one state, he could probably win based on the makeup of how they elect uh, you know, the, they're not the nominee, but how they award delegates in Iowa. It is a caucus, which is totally different. For those of you who don't understand the way a caucus works. So when you go vote in Indiana in the primary, you go vote and they tally up all the votes and Donald Trump got more votes than Ted Cruz. Donald Trump, you know, was the winner of, of Indiana and they award delegates proportionally, but there's a winner of the state. In a caucus, uh, you go to literally people's houses they have caucus centers or there's a name for them it's not like traditional hey here's your polling place sometimes it is gymnasium sometimes it is government Mm -hmm. centers but but typically it is you know like it can be people's homes you go in a room everybody has a representative if you're running for president that gets up and speaks you cast ballots 
and then after the first ballot, somebody got the fewest amount of votes, that person falls off. And so then those people have to go caucus. In this case, they go to someone else's camp. So you don't have to be first in a caucus. You can be second and still do very well. And so that is why when we say, well, if there's one place DeSantis could pull off some sort of weird upset despite being 50 points behind in the polls, it would be Iowa because it is strategy. It is alliances. It is getting people to show up that maybe normally don't. It is in the middle of winter in Iowa. So look, I get, I, I, if I sound like I'm grasping at straws, I probably am because he's probably going to lose spectacularly, but Iowa would be the one place he might be able to pull it pull off. Pull out a win. It's being reported that another staffer from his never back down pack was fired for four people in just a mere matter of weeks being let go from his, you know, his, but it's like trying campaign. to coach a bad team. It, it's like, it's like, like uh, if you were to take who, I don't know, if you took Nick Saban, who's the coach of Alabama, mm-hmm. and we get to that in a little bit. We'll get to that. Um, and put him on IU's football team. I'm not saying like, hey, you give Nick Saban three years to recruit, et cetera. I'm saying that if on in the third game in October, you took Nick Saban and made him the coach of IU football, it's not going to change because IU has the players that they have and the mm-hmm. players that they have are not capable of beating Michigan or Penn State or whoever. It's the same thing here. It's not Ron DeSantis's fault. He's done fine. He hasn't done great. He hasn't done horrible. He's done fine by presidential campaign, traditional presidential campaign standards. It's just he's up against something that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. We've never seen yeah, it. And that's Donald Trump. It is. And, yeah. and, and, and the reality is it's not anything Trump has done. Trump hasn't even run a campaign. Do you have any idea specifically on more than one or two issues what Trump will do to solve the issues. Well, I know just this past weekend he was in Iowa and he's starting to talk about Obamacare and health care. So he's just now introducing specific topics. Yeah, no, no, repeal this, repeal, replace stuff. We already tried that, blah, blah, blah. Do you know how he would solve mm. Israel and Palestine? No. Do you know how he would solve Ukraine and Russia? Nobody said he would do it in 24 hours. Exactly. <laughs> There's no, there is no campaign. It's just him holding rallies. But he is, he is throttled by the people who are on the revenge tour with Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and we have never seen that before in American politics, where a guy is running for president openly, and the people are voting for him openly on revenge, and essentially revenge alone, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't, I'm not sure you could be that. It's like Nick Saban coaching IU. It's not, you, you, there, you have to work with what you're dealt with, and Ron DeSantis has been dealt a terrible hand. So he has been endorsed by another Iowa state representative, McCullough. DeSant- uh, DeSantis or Trump? DeSantis okay. was. So that brings his total up to 42 state legislators in Iowa who are endorsing Ron DeSantis. And you know what that's going to matter? Zero. Okay, so DeSantis was on Meet the Press, and he was asked if he will drop out if he doesn't win Iowa, and this was his answer. We're going to win Iowa. Uh, I think it's going to help propel us to the nomination, but I think we'll have a lot of work that we'll have to do beyond that. I don't think you take anything for granted. And I do I do recognize that there have been people that have wanted who have not gone on to win the nomination. I think this year is a little bit different. Uh, I think the field is narrowed quicker. I think it's going to narrow even more. And ultimately, Republican voters are going to have the choice of Donald Trump, which I think would make the election a referendum on him uh, and a lot of the issues that he's dealing with 
or me. Uh, and that will be a referendum on Biden's failures, on all the pro issues in the country that are affecting people. And I'll be able to stand for a positive vision going forward. We have a much better chance uh, if we're doing it with me as the candidate. I'd also be able to serve two terms and I'm more likely to actually get a lot of this stuff done. But those are the choices realistically for Republican voters. His problem is he's trying to have a rational conversation, and I'm not saying this to be negative for the people who are voting for Trump. So let me preface this by, by, by saying that because I can hear it now. He is trying to have a rational conversation with people who are not voting from a rational perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, what I mean by that is, and it's look, it has taken me six months to figure this out, Casey, and I'm going to freely admit I totally missed the, the bar, the ball. Oh, well, hell, longer than six months. What month are we in? 12 months mm -hmm. to figure this out. And like I said, that conversation I had with my mother-in-law last week kind of really framed it all for me perfectly. He's trying to have a rational conversation, which is that has traditionally worked, which is I have governed as X. I have produced Y. The other candidate in this, in this case, Donald Trump has flaws A, B, and C, which will make him very hard to get elected in the general. He is trying to have the traditional rational conversation with people who are not voting in the traditional sense. They're not voting, many of them, based on the actual results of Donald Trump, which is why when you ask them to explain COVID, they just brush it off and move on. Yet the Biden stuff during COVID which is every bit as egregious as Trump. It's see the picture; they're the same guy. Mm -hmm. They'll they'll excoriate Biden for it, but with Trump, you get meh. There's nothing Ron DeSantis can do. The rational conversation, the logical, traditional conversations that have worked for uh, politicians for many, many years, essentially since the foundation of the country, are no longer in play right now, Casey. Well, you and I were talking that it's been a while for a, for a little bit there. It was governors who became presidents. You had Carter, Reagan, Clinton, and Bush. Bush. Yeah. W. Yep. All started as governors and then propelled up. Right. But it's been a while. It, since, what, 15 years now? So, yeah. So, you make an interesting point. So, you had three out of four, and Bush got it because he was a vice president. And that, you know, I mean, he was, it was, people loved Reagan. Bush was the continuation of Reagan. It's, mm -hmm. you know, still mourning in America, blah, blah, blah. But basically, if you exclude Bush from the, uh, old man Bush from the equation, you had from 1980 to 2008. So 28 straight years, if you include Bush as being a part of Reagan, who was a governor, we all know that's why Bush got, got elected. It wasn't of his own. He was a, you know, disaster when he had to stand on his own two feet. So you had 28 years of, a, of the country from 1980 to, to 2008 saying we want governors mm -hmm. because governors could run on accomplishments themselves. It was very hard for a senator to say, I did this. No, because there's a hundred other of you people. The governor is, I'm the CEO. I'm the chief executive. Look at what we've done in my state. If you want the country to mirror my state or resemble me and the things I've accomplished, here you go. I think in the internet world, changed it yeah i think i think the prominence of social media i mean you look at obama was kind of the first social media uh internet era president he obviously did great things with technology the iphone remember that was such a novel thing that he was the first one to have the iphone clearly trump mm -hmm. captivated and dominated social media and then in a social media world with with joe biden 2020 was kind of an, an anomaly you didn't have traditional campaigning 
I think if you'd had traditional campaigning, I don't think Biden would have won. Certainly, I don't think he would have won the the nomination, much less the presidency. So, but but every, people are just able to connect differently. And so I think what got the advantage governors once had, they don't have anymore. Yeah. So we have a lot more to get to, including Nikki Haley, who launched her first TV ad of the presidential campaign. We also have uh, some stuff from Greg Gutfeld that he said on Fox News that made the entire audience go silent. And David Sanders from Lafayette is going to be joining us. He's the town councilman. The city councilman for city Lafayette. Councilman. We had that, uh, I mean, the... Uh, just disastrous mayor of Lebanon who got real mouthy once he got out of here. Uh, uh, was that Friday we had him on? We mm-hmm. were so nice to that guy. Mm-hmm. Against my better judgment, <laughs> we were so nice and polite and respectful. And then he gets out of here. And because we made fairly, what to many people appear to be obvious, obvious observations, apparently that set him off. And then he gets out of here. He was real nice when he was in here. And then he gets out of here and he gets super mouthy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have David Sanders, who is the Lafayette City Councilman, uh, where the mayor of Lebanon and the state of Indiana are trying to extract hundreds of millions of gallons of their water up there in Lafayette to uh, placate the governor's legacy project. Wasn't that the word that the yep. that the mayor of Lebanon used? Boy, what a disaster that guy is. Legacy project. Oh my gosh. Anyway, he's going to talk about what what it's like to have the state essentially trying to steal your resources for a for a dream project for the governor. All right, that's all on the way with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 24 minutes after nine with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So over the past uh, weeks, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, even Donald Trump, they've all ratcheted up their offenses against Nikki Haley. Bird brain? Bird brain. And (laughs) Nikki Haley said that the uptick in political attacks is because her campaign is surging. And I just saw this and it makes me laugh. What a troll. Trump sent over a birdcage to Nikki Haley's hotel in Iowa back in October. Yeah. uh, You know, whatever. It's it's, It's just having a little fun with it, it, isn't he? It's fine. Here, here, this would be my question to the Trump, the only Trump people. And and I've said many times and absolutely stand by this. If he is the nominee, I'll absolutely 100% support Donald Trump, vote for him, anybody but Biden. This country's got to do something different. But what is the Trump path to campaign success? Like, like, without using the term voter fraud, what is the Trump campaign path to to success? What is the coalition building mechanism that he is going to institute that has won essentially every presidential campaign, including Trump's in 2016. Mm -hmm. He actually was a coalition builder. I'm not sure he intended to do that, but he did. What is the path that he is going to mark out for himself? You know, if you hear Ron DeSantis speak, he talks about how they did in Florida and how he built coalitions Mm -hmm. and how he took people who are not traditionally Republican voters and the policies I instituted or we instituted that made people who don't traditionally vote Republican vote Republican. What is the Trump path to that? Because it's all fun and games until you've actually got to get outside your comfort zone. It's just like anything else in life, right? So often people don't want to do things or expose themselves to things or challenges 
that take them outside of their comfort zone. Well, Trump's in his comfort zone right now in the Republican primary. Mm -hmm. He can do no wrong. There's a huge portion of the voting populace in the Republican primary who share his view and the views of many others that there were shenanigans with the 2020 election. They're voting based solely on that. Chuckle, chuckle. It's funny that he gives people nicknames and bird brain and sending bird cages and desanctimonious and, ha, did you see the new Trump? Trump truth. Great. That doesn't help him at all in a general election. So what is, because the people who will decide this election are not people who are going to vote based on whether they chuckled at him calling Nikki Kelly or Nikki, I'm very sorry, Nikki Kelly, Nikki Haley. Nikki mm -hmm. Kelly's a phenomenal journalist for the Indiana right. Capital Chronicle. Right. Nikki Haley, bird brain. What is that path? Because you, we all should be interested in knowing what that is, because that's going to decide whether this guy wins or not. So there was a News Nation decision desk uh, poll that came out, and it has Trump sitting at 60 percent. And Ron DeSantis is at 11 percent, followed by Nikki Haley, who's at 10. And then Vivek is down there at 6 percent. Chris Christie pretty much falling off. Uh, Nikki Haley being endorsed by uh, Paul Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Kevin McCarthy came out and said that Trump should choose Nikki Haley as his running mate. Yes. Can you think of a worse endorsement in a Republican primary? Than Paul Ryan? And, and, and it's like the kiss of death. Yes, essentially Kevin McCarthy. No, thank you. I mean, you. can you think of, if you were to say, maybe like if George W. Bush mm -hmm. came out and endorsed you, or Jeb Bush came out and endorsed I can't think of somebody who I would least like to have their endorsement other than Paul Ryan. Yeah. So Nikki Haley launched her first uh, TV ad and it's uh, airing. It's a it's a ten million dollar ad buy. It's airing <laughs> in New Hampshire and in Iowa. There's an, another debate coming up this yes. week. Uh, Wednesday. You're going to have to watch that. I know. More homework for yeah. me. But uh, here's Nikki Haley's latest TV commercial. I've seen it both ways. I've listened to it and yeah. I've watched the video uh -huh. just by listening to it. I don't find it very motivating at oh, all. Uh oh, uh, I think you definitely need the images mm -hmm. that go along with yeah. this, but here it is. A president must have moral clarity and know the difference between good and evil. Today, China, Russia, and Iran are advancing. There's chaos in our streets and college campuses. Our security is threatened at home and abroad. It's time for a new generation of conservative leadership. We have to leave behind the chaos and drama of the past and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. I'm Nikki Haley, and I approve this message. I feel like the Eric Holcomb ads that we've been playing for all around Indiana are more inspiring than that was. It was kind of just flat. Yeah, the, the whole Trump sucks thing or Trump's immature or Trump's too drama, that don't work in a Republican primary. And they these Republicans do not seem to... How is the radio people can figure it out? But these people with all these consultants and everything else don't seem to get it. You know what we do get, though, Casey? Yeah. We get that the news here at WIBC is award-winning, and mm -hmm. we get that Kurt Darling is one of the best in the business. So we're going to bring you the news, and then David Sanders from the Lafayette City Council is going to join us talking about this very, just what appears to be disastrous leap project. It's coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 35 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. David Sanders joins us. He is from the, he's a city councilman from West Lafayette, also an associate professor at Purdue. And before we get going, you know, my, uh, my daughter's at Purdue. She's a senior. She's set to graduate on May 10th. I'm going to put it to you to make sure that that happens. Okay. <laughs> 
Nope. Absolutely. What, what's her major? No pressure. Biology. Really? Yes. Okay. I'm, maybe I've <laughs> had her in class. Possibly. I'll have to ask. But you're also an active member of the Stop the Steel, Stop the Water Steel group. And uh, you're taking exception to the governor's use of the term excess water. Yeah. So, David, let's talk about this because we had the mayor of Lebanon on, on Friday and he kind of seems to think it's no big deal that the state of Indiana is going to tap into longstanding natural resources, obviously, since the earth was young and essentially steal. I don't know what other word you'd use for it. Uh, you know, hundreds of millions of gallons of water a day. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, when did you, you and Lafayette become aware that this was the plan? Because it seems like, at least publicly, we didn't know about this until three-fourths of the way through the ballgame. That's correct. So we didn't actually learn about it until uh, the beginning of the summer this year. Uh, There had been some information about the Leap District uh, that people in Boone County had been aware of, obviously. But we learned about it relatively recently. Um, When I first learned about it, I asked is there any role for local government uh, in this process? And I was told the answer was no. So, and I just want to make sure we have the timeline right here because they'll say, well, Rob is exaggerating. So they announced this LEAP project. They've clearly already essentially started based on the fact that Lilly has this mega campus out there in Boone County. And then after they've already, it's essentially like getting to third base in terms of playing a ball game. And then they go to you guys while they're standing on third base going, oh, we can't get around the bases, uh, so I guess we're going to need 100, what is It's like 100 million gallons a day potentially, right? Correct. <laughs> That's just so rude, Casey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you're saying, that, well, they're saying that they need to do additional studies uh, for this long-term approach to the water management. And you're saying you're not opposed to the expansion of the studies, but what is the goal of the studies at the end of the day? That's right. Uh, There are a number of things that are at play here, one of which is when we hear the numbers about how much water they're going to withdraw and how much water is in the Wabash and how much water is in the aquifer, they're really not fair comparisons. The Wabash um, River volume varies by about tenfold over the course of the year. And Recently, uh, right before our city council resolution opposing the uh, LEAP pipeline, I went down and took some photos. You could practically walk across the Wabash in our area. Because the levels were so low. Because the levels were so low. Mm -hmm. And so the numbers that they give are always, you know, based on maximum flow in in the Wabash. There's another interesting thing. They're taking it from the aquifers. We don't really understand the rate at which the Wabash River um, recharges the aquifers. We simply don't have those numbers. Mm-hmm. So you simply you can't um, make any real conclusions from the studies that they've conducted, which are very small scale, very short duration, and then extrapolate what are going to be the long-term effects. And I would argue that those long-term effects are going to be very harmful to uh, the Wabash River, to the aquifers in Tippecanoe County. David Sanders is our guest. He's with the uh, Lafayette City Council. We're talking about uh, the plan by the governor and the state of Indiana to essentially take hundreds of millions of gallons of water daily from Tippecanoe County, run it to Boone County. And you touched on a great point here, David, which is they got to be right 
Because if they're wrong, it's not like Lilly or these other mega corporations that they uh, are going to attract once they're wrong are going to go, oh, well, we screwed up. Yeah, you guys can have your water back. It's fine. We'll just pack up and leave. If they're wrong, then everybody gets screwed. That's correct. And actually, it's the effects aren't just on uh, Tippecanoe County. This 100 million gallons a day uh, is going to be dumped into Eagle Creek. And it's not clear what the ecological effects of that are mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. Of course, the water is going to need to be cleaned, and that's, you know, that's an expensive process. So there are effects up and down the state of Indiana, and we really don't understand them. And just the studies that even that they're proposing are insufficient for uh, making those determinations. When Matt Gentry was here, the mayor of um, Lebanon, I asked him point blank if the IFA report comes back and says, no, this is a bad idea. What's going to happen? He said, well, it would stop. Yes. The, pro I, the project. There's no stop. way that report's going to come back bad, though, right? There's no way they're going to let the governor of the state of Indiana sit there with egg on his face. I don't anticipate that the study will have, um, you know, will say stop the project. I, I don't anticipate that that's the likely outcome. I would. I, I did have the opportunity to speak with, uh, to listen to the conversation mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Mayor Gentry. Sounds like a you know a fine young man, uh, well spoken. The one thing that sort of disturbed me a little bit because it was new information that you elicited uh, from him is that. One of the major benefits of this project is that Lebanon is going to have, um, you know, a thousand dollars per household uh, reduction in their property taxes. Now, I looked at the census, yeah, and there were seven thousand households in uh, Lebanon, which means, um, uh, you know, seven million dollars uh, a year. Let's just pay them the seven million dollars a year and forget about this project. Forget about the stealing of the of the water. If that's the main purpose, if that's the main benefit of this to the people of Indiana, I say you know let's well let's that, give Lebanon the money. David Sanders is our guest. He's with the Lafayette City Council. We're talking about this this proposed leap project. This is what the mayor I think was very tone deaf on, which is yes, from his perspective, which is to represent the people of Lebanon, this thing is all great for him if you don't care about preserving character of the area and plowing down those farm fields and bringing these gigantic, oftentimes eyesore buildings into communities. But from your perspective, he's taking your resources in, in Lafayette. From my perspective, he's taking my tax money through the IEDC. So basically everybody is subsidizing the mayor of Lebanon and the people of the city of Lebanon. He appeared to just, that didn't register to him at all. Uh, that's certainly, you know, one way to look at it, which uh, I think is is correct. The problem, I think, emanates from uh, the IEDC, its lack of accountability, its the fact that it operated in secrecy uh, with us. There was no consultation uh, with us whatsoever. And the fact that there, despite our increasing understanding of the process, the IDC refused to engage with us. Yeah. Uh, we would invite them to public forums. They would not attend. Uh, it isn't until 
the voice of the people started to get louder. And uh, there were public forums. There was our group, Stop the Water Steal. Uh, we have a website, stopthewatersteal.org. Until we started amplifying the voice of the community, there was no response. But now we are getting a response from the Mayor Lebanon. We are getting a response from the Secretary of Commerce. We are even getting a response uh, from the governor. And what, are, what are those responses? What so, are they saying to you? Uh, the well, the IEDC, <laughs> the IED, uh, Secretary of Commerce is saying we need to build you know, Indiana. We need to be bold. Um, you know, there's there's you know there's nothing really harmful here. The most interesting thing that he says is if we don't have a company coming, we will not build the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the pressure point uh, that we have. I do not think that any company is going to risk the institutional damage from coming to Indiana over the intense, united, non-partisan opposition to this project. If the community's voice is this loud, I don't think that there's going to be any uh, company that's going to risk its reputation. So that's uh, that's part of what we're trying to achieve. Can you hang around for another segment? By all means. Okay, because I want to talk to David about that when we come back, because I think they've hit on something in Lafayette. They've kind of gotten legislators finally moving on this. And so I want to ask David when we come back, because whether you live in Tippecanoe County or you live in Greenwood or you live in Avon, you have a vested interest in what's going on here because – there's only so many resources and if you start giving all the resources to the mega corporations there won't be potentially resources for you so i want to ask what you think needs to be done what you guys are doing up in tippecanoe county and what central indiana needs to do in terms of organizing to try to try to at least get a lot more transparency and accountability and pause this project is that cool absolutely thanks all right you're listening to kendall and casey it's 93 wibc Good morning, 949 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. David Sanders is joining us in the studio. He's a city councilman in Lafayette, also a professor at Purdue. And uh, some of the other conversations are just as interesting as what we brought him here to talk about. These are the sort of, we need people like David to just follow us around because his wife's are with him. And as she said, he's a human Google. Yeah. And I and I have never been anything close to that. So we need more rich friends and we need more smart, smart friends. friends. Yeah. And we will at least accomplish one of those with David. David. All right. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're talking today about Leap and, and the people of Lafayette. They seem pretty united against this project to take millions of gallons of water from t- Tippecanoe County, move it down to, to Lebanon to fulfill the governor's pie in the sky fantasy island down there. Um, are you guys, do you feel you're getting the attention of lawmakers? Are you getting the attention of the media? What are you doing to be successful? Because we need to have those same conversations down here. Absolutely. So, uh, if I may, when I learned about the project, I was told I couldn't do anything about it. But the more I thought about it, I thought that there was a role of uh, local government. So, we passed a, I authored, and we passed a resolution in opposition, but we were communicating that opposition to our local state legislators. And they responded saying, we're on board with you. Oh, that's great. That resolution then became the model for resolutions passed by Lafayette, Covington, Attica, yeah. Fountain County, White County, Monticello, um, and Tippecanoe County. And Tippecanoe County is 
in any minute now uh, actually considering um, a, a moratorium Great. on large transfers of water out of the, the county. So this has become a regional, nonpartisan effort. And the level of community uh, union of opposition is unprecedented. It's a total lack of respect to those communities up there because, as we talked about in the first segment, it wasn't like they came to you guys a year and a half ago or two years ago or three years ago saying, look, this is what we want to do. How do we all work together to make sure, you know, at least 90 percent of us are holding hands off the off the ship together? They just show up in the middle of the summer to you guys after they've, it sounds like, started, you know, they're, they're rounding third and heading for home going, oh, yeah, we're going to need 100 mil of your uh, uh, your water each day. And, and I just think it's so great that you guys are standing up because you've been treated very poorly up there. I agree. I Again, Lack of accountability, the secrecy, the lack of consultation. I don't understand what they were thinking uh, when they decided to go forward with this without uh, any discussion, any sort of public input on the project. How do we down here, not like we're so far away, but you know, how do we in central Indiana, the donut counties, because you have a vested interest in, I think, many people opposing this too, because the ramifications will be felt everywhere. What can we do to help? I know you said you have a website. What else can be done? So I do want to mention that we're working closely with the people in Boone County. Oh, great. They're opposed yeah. uh, to this project. Uh, but what can you do? Each one of you is represented by state representatives, yeah. state senators. You can contact them and ask them to move forward legislation that will uh, protect local water rights. Indiana is is unique, uh, not unique. It's it's peculiar in the sense that it doesn't have a state water management agency. It doesn't really have long-term planning, and that's what we really need. We need both local control of water resources, but also an overarching plan. The other thing I think people need to take into consideration is the IEDC and the fact that it seems to be largely out of control. Yeah. It is uh, a marketing endeavor, not strictly an endeavor that's there for the benefit uh, of the state of Indiana. And it, the way it's structured, uh, in the conflicts of interest yeah. that are present uh, in the members of the IDC, I think that that's something everybody should be concerned about. I do believe that this interest in the LEAP project and the opposition to the pipeline has stimulated local media, and local media has an incredibly important role uh, in amplifying the voices of the community, uh, in investigating these conflicts of interest, how money is being distributed to corporations who already have a seat at the table. And the people of Indiana don't have that seat at the table. The communities in Indiana don't have the seat at that table. So tell us about the website. It sounds like that might be a great place if people have questions or want to maybe you know be a part of this or just get more information. Tell us about the website. Absolutely. So it is stopthewatersteal.org. Stopthewatersteal.org. Correct. And there is information. We want to be a central repository of all of the information of this about this project, all of the media. Uh, we want to... Uh, collate the responses of legislators to our opposition. We're interested in amplifying the voices of the people who live near the sites of these wells that are going in and talking about their experiences. Uh, The fact that there's a sulfur smell all of a sudden present in their water just on the days that the, the drilling was taking place and that they're seeing their wells silting up. 
We want to collect that. We want to be a central repository. We are interested in being a science-based, research-based organization, but also advocacy for people up and down uh, the Wabash River. Drinking water is so important. I mean, just water, period, is is so important. And I really appreciate you coming all the way down from Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Today, it shows how important it is to you. And we appreciate you, all the work that, that you guys are, are doing this. And please let us know, Casey, myself, anybody, let us know how we can help you guys get the word out because this is this is too important for it to go through as it is. If I could just add, we are seeking alliances with other groups, okay. statewide groups, who are interested in these uh, issues in general. So we're going to be working together with them as very well. Very good. David Sanders, thank you very much. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.